myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is comedian Colton Jones. Colton is a comedian here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He is on the cusp of breaking through and making regular weekend work. He does have some shows lined up. We'll get to those in the show notes. In this episode, we talk about comedy, his his favorite moments in comedy, some sports, and then we get into his fear of wasps. It's a really fun conversation, so let's buzz right in to Colton Jones. All right, my guest this week is comedian and server industry specialist Colton Jones. Yeah, proudly service industry specialist. Colton is a rising comic here in the Dallas comedy scene as well as he he also makes the big sacrifice of running a few open mics here across town which yeah. is always something that I like to 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 pay gratitude to because you're basically sacrificing a night of your development just to hang out in one spot. I'm trying to strike that balance where I can still figure out a way to work on my stuff. One thing I've found is that it's my event. So if I just do 15 minutes, nobody's going to get mad at me. Mm -hmm. So kind of lets you play like it's a good place to try out new material because the crowd is friendly and they'll they'll let me know if something's working or not. But yeah, as far as like actually trying to work a club set or anything like that, it's not kind of a nightmare. Yeah, I do like that idea, though, is because you're there every week. In theory, you know, yeah. there are times where you'll have to take off, but you're there every week, so you have you feel almost obligated to change mm-hmm. things up because you're you're the face of it, and the servers, the bartenders, everybody, the regulars all know your material by two weeks in, and so if you it's, it really motiv- it really does motivate you to kind of write or try to like at least try new material because try to have something that's interesting for somebody yeah. to watch, you know. But I mean, you'll know, I mean, you go to the Mad Hatter a lot. So, you know, I go through all kinds of effort to have something weird for everyone to yes. observe every week. Even if it's not stand up, I'll do karaoke with my AirPods, in, which is always a always. Although it always goes really well when I do that with Pearl Jam, but mm-hmm. I did it with Margaritaville and it just tanked the mic. I had to like save, <laughs> save the show before I brought up any comics because it just completely killed the energy. I was not expecting <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, you it's it's a good thing to learn so that you can inherently know that when you're doing a real show yeah. and you can be like, okay, Margaritaville, not a good choice, <laughs> but just the ability to sense energy and to not be so, yeah. so wrapped up in what you're doing on stage that you don't put out feelers for what people are giving you back. So you're just like plow. Because you'll watch comics just plow through sets and nobody's even, you know, they're just not even into it. Especially at the open mic. Yeah. yeah, people just trying to work their jokes. And they think that if they hit their timing correctly, then the crowd is going to like produce a laugh. Like it's like they're a rat pressing a button in a laboratory, but it just doesn't work like that. It's an organic experience every time that you have to kind of create as you go. So what got you into stand-up? How did you, I guess? Well, I, w- I mean, I've been in, uh, you know, I went to acting school when I was younger. I went to university for it. 
university. Like I'm living in Britain. Yeah. I went to Texas women's university for acting. I graduated and I was doing, um, I like stage acting a lot. I was doing Shakespeare in the park and I was doing, I think King Lear. And to be honest with you, Ryan, I date, I wound up dating one of the costume designers, which is like story of my life. I wound up dating somebody at work, but like, I wind up dating one of the costume designers and she broke up with me at a Cheddar's. And I remember sitting in a Cheddar's parking lot and I was really sad. I really liked her and it just never really got going. She broke up with me. I'm sitting there crying in my car and I was like, I'm going to go fucking do stand up comedy now. Like I just, it just came to my brain like, I'm going to go do stand up comedy right now. And I looked up Mabel Peabody's uh, beauty salon and chainsaw repair. And you know what? The first night I went to Mabel Peabody's, I think was Tony Casillas's first night also going and doing stand-up comedy. Yes. I've, I've never went to Mabel Peabody's, but they were, I uh, think, one of the few places where you could do longer form, I guess, open yeah. mics. Like they would give you 10 to 15 minutes. Not a great place to go learn how to do stand-up comedy, but it was a great place to go do your first time because it was like there was no it was completely judgment free there was no expectation that i was going to go up there and actually do a good set <laughs> so but yeah so how and what then it, after that go ahead i just never stopped going to open mics i just kept going to open mics and i i felt i've at first i think now i feel frustrated with stand-up because it's so reliant on you as the character the driving character but like acting i was tired of it because it wasn't it was Shakespeare. I'm like, who gives a shit about Shakespeare? It was kind of the realization I had. I'm like, you know, people can just read these books, you know, seeing me perform in a park is cool, but like, it's not really like changing or doing anything, you know, changing anything and stand up just because it's you up there and you're the character and it's your ideas. You have a lot more creative control over it, which can be, you know, good, but also I think makes it way easier to burn out doing stand-up than to doing anything else. It is hard. And that's why I usually like for people that are just starting, I'm like, learn to love this because yeah, you're going to be just at, at the open mic level for the majority of your first few years doing this, if not longer, just, it's just a process. Your whole life. Well, it's just a product of self-discovery. And if you're, if you, yeah. if you're not willing to, to do the self-discovery, you're going to have a frustrating time because all you're going to do is throw things against a wall and see if they're, if it's funny or not. And yeah. you, it may be funny one time. It's not, it can be funny once and not repeatable. It's just, it's learning how it's learning who you are because learning who you are makes it, I guess, a higher percentage of what you write being working because it's an it's an honest and something that the audience will look at you like i when you say acting i always talk about the suspension of belief is that yeah if you're if you aren't being authentic enough to where people believe that that could happen to you or that that is who you are absolutely they're not going to give that to you you're going to be the kid pretending to be the cool guy you're going to be right and yeah people i People want honesty. And that's not necessarily that they want you to tell exactly true stories, but like when comedians embellish stories, it's to pull out the greater truth that mm -hmm. the story is trying to tell. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's to accentuate it and make it really clear for the audience and kind of streamline everything. That's, that's one thing that um, 
the suspension of disbelief is hard, but you know, what's always helped me in acting with the suspension of disbelief is to focus on objectives and tactics, really basic acting stuff. You don't think I'm going to pretend to be sad. You think I need to get this divorce paper signed. And if you focus, if your character in that scene focuses on the actual physical need that you have from another character, instead of focusing on how you would feel in that situation, it's going to be much more convincing for the audience. And I think what you're saying about stand-up, I agree. And I think it's the same thing, kind of like, if you're up there thinking, is this funny? Is this not funny? It's going to, the audience can feel that. And they're going to feel that you're not totally engaged. But if you are trying to tell them a story because you believe it's really funny or you have a point that comes across in your joke, you know, something like that, you have to stick on message and um, focus on that instead of focusing on how the crowd is like reacting to you. I mean, you want to hear them. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But you, like I said, yeah. it's coming from a, it's coming from a place. So honestly, you can exaggerate a story. It doesn't have to be a factual account. But yeah. your exaggeration should be almost what you're feeling. Like if it's taking a long yeah. time to get something, exaggerate how long it took. Like you don't say like, you know, if it took five minutes when you were expecting one, you don't just say it took five minutes. You're like an eternity or, you know, it, it felt so, like days, you know, three hour, days later. Yeah. And so yeah. and so I feel like that's where you can embellish is you can embellish where it feels like you can't embellish who you are. Mm. yeah exactly so dang dude so you've started yeah. in denton and you've you've made your way to fort worth and other yeah you know, moving on up. what has been the highlight of your comedy career so far like what's been your like i guess moment that you cherish at this point you know um jack runs that company capital labs mm-hmm. and i recently i went up to dc for a week and just like i mean it was like awesome it was like you go to a strange city you do like five sold out shows in four days and then you just come back and i'd never been there before so that was a really you know good experience it's fresh on my mind mm-hmm. it's hard to say that i have a moment that i um am extremely happy with i i've i've honestly i've i think i'm i'm pretty frustrated with the the progress of, you know, what I've done and everything. So it's kind of hard to say, like, I've had a moment that I'm like, Oh, wow, this is it. Cause I, I really haven't had that yet. And I'm still kind of searching for it. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, hopefully I guess most people never find it. Right. You like, it, it's never good enough. That's the whole artistic drive, but really, I mean, you know, I'm still kind of like regional mostly. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not really getting consistent work. So it's kind of hard to say I've had a, a great moment. I don't know. I, you know, I've always been frustrated by that. But. Yeah. It's <laughs> you're in the, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the hard spot. And like for a lot of people, for me, it was all, it was year two and three where I just was like, I'm like, I feel like I'm good enough to be on the level of the comics that are working, but I'm not. And it's, it feels like almost like you're like, you're like toiling away in the shadows because no one can see you. It feels like some, you know, if I ever just get an opportunity and I've, you know, my, my third year, I was like, maybe it's not going to happen, you know, and I had to. Yeah, but how many, how many years have you been doing it now? I've been doing it 16. 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. And what year did you actually start having like, oh, I'm like having success now. Like I'm like starting to like 
develop like something to be call a career and like um what year does that happen i would say it's probably 2017 like i there it's 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 a never an ending process like you said the artistic drive of you yeah. listen to yourself and you'll have a critical ear and you'll be like, you know, I missed that joke. I missed yeah, that. Yeah, it's still not good enough. And t- my goal after, you know, used to be, you know, to try to be working at this. And then it gradually got, you know, let's do a more tangible goal because even if you do get this full time, you don't, you don't get to dictate how long you do it. It's not like something like a career path where you can do this till you retire. Yeah. Some people get retired from stand up just because either their act doesn't evolve or it just doesn't it doesn't have enough fans across the country that you can successfully book venues over and over again. Some people can do yeah. one. You do it once but they never have you back. Yeah. And that's my biggest fear is that what if I what if I go whole hog into this and for one year I'm 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 surviving and then next year people are just like either the club management changes and they're like, you know, we don't you know, we want someone with more credits. We want somebody with more prestige as far as comedy. You know, we're going to book more prestige. Yeah. And so that's always been my big fear is how do I go back at 40? I'm in my 40s. And how do I go back trying to go back into the workforce in my 40s? And so, you know, if something comes along where I, you know, something big comes, I, I'll happily take it. But I'm at a job that also allows me vacation time to pursue those off night pursuits and stuff like that to do some club weekends and stuff like that and you know outside the local which which is a learning experience like what that was that your first like when you went to dc was that like your first like non-dfw or non-texas no i mean uh i mean i guess would say like states probably i think i went to colorado once but that's hazy really i mean (laughs) My most successful I've ever been was when I was booking my own bar shows in mm-hmm. Denton and kind of leaning on my own local following. But as far as going outside of DFW, no, not really. I mean, I think I'm going to. Oh, although one time me and Michael Reed went to Denison together, and that is always burned in my skull as a memory worth having. We were we we saw this guy named Al the Boo Man. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of this guy? No. He's a toiler, you know, around the Texas uh, crap scene. But he, uh, God, terrible. But just did like 40 minutes where he was trying to get the crowd to boom. And um, of course, they we thought it was horrible and they loved him way more than they loved me and Michael. So that just shows you what we know. But then halfway through his set, this guy kind of in the middle of nowhere. I'll never forget this. Al the Boo Man was talking about Santa and there's this guy that's sitting like across the row. So he's just like a little bit in front of me and he just turns to his wife. He brings up Santa. Al the Boo Man brings up Santa. And this guy turns to his wife and he goes really loud. He goes, <laughs> Santa's gay. Really loud. And then just kind of turned back and kept watching the show. And it wasn't like the joke wasn't about Santa being gay. It was like, he was like dissing Santa but it just kind of came out of really nowhere. Like he wasn't heckling at all the whole time. He just screamed that one thing. And me and Michael were fucking dying in the back, dude. At this Santa's gay. I'll never forget that. <laughs> Santa's gay. I think I have to go Longview soon. Yeah. But I mean. You ever driven out there? I have driven out there. I've, dri- I've done Shreveport, which was a beating. 
But there, you'll go to a lot of the one-nighters and stuff. They are beatings, but you'll get tougher because you have to really. You just have. It's just an audience that's not willing to laugh, and it's just it can be such a, mm. it can be such a struggle, and you just learn how to even just get a silent room. Like when I do Mad Hatter, is like I'm not trying to get laughs. Like I'm just trying to get attention. Like if you're talking, yeah. there's a lot of talking going on. I feel like I've won if the room is quiet. Absolutely. I totally feel that. And it's like that to me is almost as good as, as laughing. Like could, if you laugh, that's even better. But man, if I can get you to just stop what you're doing and look at me when you're yeah. busy in your own conversations, if I can get everybody to look my way, I know I've got something. That's a, that's like art is not necessarily supposed to elicit a good reaction, but if you're emotionally reacting to it at all, then it's good art. Yeah. Stand up is art. And I've also learned just not to take bombing personally. And you know, that's the, that's yeah. one, that's a, that's a huge thing that helped me out a lot too, because I would struggle with that early on. Like I would just, I would feel like this There's is a guy frequenting the Mad Hatter and he comes in and then, yeah, he just, sometimes he doesn't have the best set. Sometimes it's the crowd being rough. Sometimes it's, he doesn't have the best set, but he gets so upset with himself about bombing. And I'm like, that, that is not mentally sustainable for you. Like if you're going to beat yourself up this bad every time, you're not going to be able to do this long-term. Like you're going to lose your mind, dude. You know what I'm saying? And I've, I've gone through, I had like 50 guest spots before I actually got an opening weekend. Like I had guest spots where it just went, I just unraveled like on stage. Like I just completely, (laughs) like I would stumble over all my words. Like my whole, like, ideas of what i was doing next would just spin and i was and i literally i've 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 chunked my notebooks i've and i just realized i'm like it's not their fault and it's not your fault either it's just sometimes it is not it's it's timing is everything and you know you just need to you there's things you still need to work on that you're not doing well and even to this day like we had a our, we were at the uh, Dallas Comedy Club and the second show was light and so the, a lighter room with younger audience and they just did not did not either you know didn't you know they just were you know just listening and not laughing. they weren't feeling it yeah yeah but I work with the you know CJ Star and stuff like that and they 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 told me even like you know you were just rushing through you just went bang you had some really good stuff but you were already onto the next thing so quickly that uh-huh. you, and so you know even to this day there's things like oh i didn't realize i had done that and you know i've gotten better at that and yeah that's a that's a hard one when the crowd is not reacting as much as you're used to mm-hmm. to not speed up a bunch that's a really difficult bad habit to get into yeah because then when you run out of material earlier than you're expecting now you're really freaking out yeah <laughs> playing material anyway yeah, and and that's why I always practice putting myself in peril when I'm doing like a three twenty five show or a full weekend, like I, and a lighter show. I was like, let's let's pull out twenty five minutes of stuff that I don't normally do. Let's just let's just throw. It's not let's not do the same twenty five minutes we've done our whole lives. Let's just let's make a new twenty five of just just see what works, see what doesn't, and just have fun right. with it. Because if you're just doing yeah. the same jokes in the same order all the time, I was like, how does that, how is that fun for you? Other than it just meets your goal of being validated. 
was like, that's like doing karaoke. Yeah. It's like, okay, you, it's, it's like going to the gym and just practicing free throws. Like, you know, you, you know, what's going to be, why not, why not try something different? Why not try a half court shot? Right. Cause it's gotta be fun for me too. I was like, I can't be up there just doing the same thing. Cause then it stops being fun for me and now it becomes homework. I have to do, Oh, I did, I did crock pot. So now I have to do the DUI, you know, DUI joke again. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, no, let's try to find different ways of putting things together. Let's, let's Lego this set and just see what other pieces, Lego pieces of material I have that I can stick on somewhere. So if you're going, you're doing 30 minutes, 25 minutes. Do you plan out the whole 25 minutes or do you just plan out your first five and then see what you wind up doing or what's your process on that? Well, when I, when I didn't have a 20, the first time I did 25 was awful for me anyways, because I just did my, I did it a hoster and an MC pace. And so I was just, I just basically tacked all my jokes on and did basically 30 second bits for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was, I literally went to my car and I was like confused, lost. And I was almost like when I used to bomb, it was just one of those things where my mind was racing. Like, what is wrong? Like, why is this? Everybody says the feature spots, the best spot. Why is this? Why is that? This the best spot. I'm, I'm completely beaten down. Like, I, I don't feel like I could do this. I didn't feel like I could feature. Yeah. And I, and I just kept dwelling on it and I was driving home from Dallas and I'm like, so what, you know, and I just asked myself, it's like, what do I have to do? What do I have to do this at this speed? I've got 25 minutes. Why do I, why am I just trying to get to the bare minimum on right. Crock-Pot and all these other jokes that I had? Well, Crock-Pot didn't come to like after I started featuring, but I was doing my DUI chicken and stuff. Like, why does this all have to be so, so fast? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I just literally sat there and it's like, why not just talk more about these things and just and you just I just learned to unpack it. So basically, my two feature sets are come from my original opening set or when I moved to feature what I was using as an opening set. And you just expounded on everything. Yes. And that's why I tell people I was like, because well, people when they ask me about moving to feature, I'm like, learn how to unpack your stuff because it's so much easier to add five minutes to something you already talk about than to come up with a new five minutes because you already have source material you can just kind of riff on it and oh you know and it just it just grows from there like it's like branches out like oh you know i've never thought about so how do you do that do you do you do you are you a person who physically sits down and tries to like write out new jokes a lot or do you do a lot of writing on stage i do both i try i do writing outside and most of my writing happens me driving to comedy venues like that's because i'm in my comedy mind i'll sometimes i'll listen to comedy radio and stuff like that so i'll listen to stand-up clips so i'm like okay let me get my mind into that quit phase where i start questioning things and you know asking weird things and sometimes i'll think of something and by the time i get to my house to write it down it's fucking gone because like i did that monday there was some radio ad for some some sort of i guess male issue or something it wasn't like viagra or something but it was it was something and they were like you know sit inside or just try this and i'm like in my head i was like well why don't you do what they do for herpes medication like they should switch like that with what herpes herpes people should stay inside and 
go online and and just find a, find happiness. And these guys that have issues like should go out and kayak and and it was it was really funny. And I'm like, damn it! Now I can't remember what the radio ad was because on the ticket and I because I listened mm. to the sports radio and I was like, damn, yeah. I was like, I'll hear the commercial again and I'll remember it. But it was some sort of like pattern baldness or something. I'm like, go kayaking. This is yeah. where you should live life. Like, and people with herpes is like, yeah, you need to get a book <laughs> and, and you know relax and and, and things Go see like a doctor. Yeah, have you heard the uh, the National Forest Service ad with the banana slug in it? No. <laughs> this this insane commercial. I listen to the fan. I don't listen to the ticket. I listen to the fan. But um, that's the difference between you and I, I suppose. But they have this ad and it's um, this kid. It's like this, there's, it's two, it's a voices, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, it's like, uh, Steven. It's like, uh, Steven. And this kid's like, what? And it's like, eh, I'm a banana slug. He says he's a banana slug. And then he's like, your mom, I represent your sense of adventure. And Steven's like, my sense of adventure. And he's like, yeah, Steven. Remember how much you loved going out and exploring the forest? And he's like, oh, I do love the forest. And then he's like, why don't you go tell your mom you want to go play in the forest? And so Stephen picks up the banana slug and he runs into his mom. And the the ad, it literally goes, it cuts to Stephen's mom going, oh, Stephen, what is that in your hand? And he goes, it's my sense of adventure, mom. <laughs> you can get anything on the radio now, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> Wait, so why do you listen to the fan over the ticket? Uh, it's not as um, fratty. Okay. Me. It's less, there's less um, masculine energy. Plus uh, the fan is the, um, the Cowboys official station. Uh-huh. I like the Cowboys. Okay. And the, and then I just like their guys. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't listened to the ticket in a few years. I will say that. Yeah. I will say that. I just like it. Cause I, to me, it's the, it's just that they, they have, they'll have, you know, generic conversations about stuff and it's not sometimes you just have, they'll have ridiculous, funny, yeah. funny things that just happen. And, and they, and I like the, yeah. the I like the e-break thing where they actually glamorize, Hey, radio, we make mistakes. Yeah. And so I always, I kind of admired that and stuff. And what's the other one that nobody listens to? Oh, the ESPN one. Yeah. That one sucks. Which just all athletes and reporters, and I was like, that gets old. I was like, the reason the ticket survives is because they're willing to make fun. And I was like, it's every other sports station, almost like you call into the D, you call into the host, and then he makes you feel stupid. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I never said that, you know. It's like in and some of some of their posts, some of them are very incendiary and stuff. Because I'll listen, there's some of their sports topics, and I I just get like triggered and stuff like that when. when <laughs> when they start to say, you know, LeBron and MJ are on the same level. I'm like, no, because I was like, if you, if if MJ had social media, you'd be appalled at the things he did and still won six rings. Like, I mean, you're talking probably about a guy that probably went out and partied until four in the morning every night, then got up, maybe practiced, went out, partied some more, then showed up at the arena and still won six titles. Like people get triggered when you see athletes like in a playoff game, like on a boat. I'm like, if I had yeah. a, if I had a million dollars and you want me to go to the lake on a weekend, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. That's for sure. And they're like, you know, they're part in that. Like Daniel Tosh had the best bit about 
Terrell Owens. He's like, you know, he's, like, people say, do your job. He's like, his job is to catch. A, yeah. His job is to catch a football. Like it's not. I remember that. He's like, but don't be surprised if like someone takes your head off and we're you know we're cheering about you're like laying like whoa. It's it's hard to watch some old NFL highlights now that you've got I've gotten conditioned to the new, the new way they play. When you watch some of the old highlights, man, they, I'm like, how do we not know that was going to affect him long term? You know, you see some of the hits those people take. Well, you just. People, people, it's just, you didn't have doctors telling you that. And, doc, yeah. you know, it basically, when I was a kid, I've probably been concussed a few, more than a few times. And it's just, how many fingers am I holding up? And you yeah, just, you just exactly. dealt with it. Well, I mean, even like less than 10 years ago, you could get a concussion and go back and play in an NFL game. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it's amazing. Like it's, it, it's amazing how far the science has come and it's still scary. I mean, you still, people that play it, you know, have to worry about, you know, long term, what am I doing to my body and my mind? Am I going to be this person that if I am I going to have afraid emotions and erratic behaviors that comes with systemic brain trauma that people just don't realize? Absolutely. And so I get that, too. Like that's that to me, that would be terrifying, too, is to know that I'm playing a game that at any mo that at some point I could be I could lose my sense of self, my identity. And I would just have this this frayed view of what my reality is, and you know, yeah. just, just become more animal like. Uh, that's the, I mean, that's the Chris Benoit thing. Is like everybody who knew him said that he would never have done that to his wife and kids. So yeah. it's just kind of like when he snaps and does, you know, it's like very clear that the brain damage is, um, you know, I don't know if that's the right term for it, but that's scary, man. I mean. I hit my head when I was in um, when I was in football in high school. I was lift, I was squatting. I could, I used to squat quite a bit. I was doing like 500 pounds up in the air, and uh, I fell, and the safety bar caught the weight. But then my head, um, when I landed on the ground, my head snapped back up and cracked into the back of the weight bar that had all the weight on it. Mm -hmm. And I remember it being hard enough that I remember moving the weight. Like with the weight of my head, it moved the bar back. Just that I hit it that hard. And I went like this and I got back up. I felt like I had been asleep. I felt like I had been taking a nap. But somebody was like, what do you mean you went unconscious? Like I was unconscious for like maybe half a second. But it felt like I felt like I had woken up from like a day's sleep. And then I was very confused. Yeah, me and my best friend used to like make each other pass out like we cut off our, our circulation and we would just basically you would if you you take out the air and the blood at the same time like you just push the sides of the throat and it you you just cut off the blood supply and you just faint for a little bit and then you come back to like you would wrestle and it was that was the finishing move or no, just against just the wall like a... we would just pin, pin against the wall and we would just <laughs> press you know and you would just you would just it would it'd be like a sleeper hold and you just you why because we didn't have phones <laughs> we'd have cell phones we had to entertain ourselves <laughs> that's insane dude that's crazy yeah. it was like what the guy from nxs did but without the other the other part of it just just the belt so what game system did you have when you were a kid did you play video games when you were a kid? i had the inner nintendo at atari 2600 when i was like five or six my uncle had it and I would wake up every morning like at 6 or 7 a.m. and go play Pac-Man on the Atari 
or whatever games he had, like Missile Command, Asteroids yeah. and stuff. And I would play those. And then I got a Nintendo system like in 1988. So when I was like 11, I got a Nintendo and I played that all the time. And do you still do you still game right now? No, I, I don't game a lot. Like I have like a Nintendo emulator, a little one of those new modern day, like they have it. Mad Hatter's like the Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the regular Nintendo of that. And so I'll take that one. Oh, I've, sweet. So if I go out, say I go out to like Little Rock or something like that, I can plug that up to the TV and, and the condo and entertain myself if, you know, none of the comics want to do anything. Yeah, I have an Atari like that. It's the same thing, but it's an Atari. So since we're talking about fears, you have a really, I guess, interesting yeah, are, fear. Apparently. Like, because... Dude. Because in Denton stuff, there is a lot of, it's a lot of patio. Denton, downtown Denton is definitely like, it's if you're going to a bar, there are a lot of patios. It seems, it seems like it's a lot of patio and college kid. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and tell people what you're afraid of. Dude, wasps, man. The fucking wasps. Any, really any bee. I mean, I, I tried to, um, I actually, I went on a date recently and a bee landed on me on the date. And it was like, it took everything in me to not scream and act like a, like a bitch in front of this woman. But I was just like, it was sitting on me and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Bees are cool. Bees are, you know, bees are fine. Cause you know, everybody likes bees now, but even wasps, especially, especially I've been stung by wasps. I've been stung by a wasp. Like, three times in my life I've gotten stung doesn't it, I, I from what I remember it doesn't hurt that bad mm-hmm. but when I see one dude my sense of operation goes away like my ability to formulate that it would be reasonable to not act like a child about it just I lose I lose it and I was sitting here the other day and I had the back my back door open I was smoking a cigarette and I left my coffee cup sitting inside well, I'm facing out the patio. I come back in and there's a big, I mean, like a 90 foot tall red wasp sitting on top of my coffee cup, just like sipping. I put clarified butter in my coffee and I guess it smelt the butter. I don't know. But it. I mean, I literally was like, I had tears in my eyes trying to get it out of my apartment. I was so scared of this thing. And I know you can kill. I guess they're not that hard to kill, but I've always like squishing one. I've never been able to squish one because yeah. I'm scared I'm going to hit it and then it'll just pop back up at me like i yeah i just like i I just tried to i literally ridiculous like i i opened up the window in my bedroom and turned all the fans on in my bedroom so that the air would be pushing out towards the door and then um i i just closed my bedroom door and i waited and then i kept i checked out and it it took me two times opening the bedroom door until it went away is that see that what like i feel like maybe it sounds like i'm like exaggerating how scared i am but that's not like a reasonable level of behavior is that how you would act if a wasp showed up i definitely try i'm i i just don't like how they get right at eye level with you like i don't like the aggression that they come at you i know they fly right up in your space dude and it's like and i know that like i feel like okay you're trying to sting me like i i have a lot of plants and so I, you know, they're, they're a benefit and a curse because one, I don't like them and, you know, they get right, either they make nests like right in my doorways and things, mm-hmm. but they kill like every, I guess, 
like threat of something. So they're good for the ecosystem. Because yes. I was under the impression that wasps served no purpose whatsoever. That's what everybody says. They don't even. They just predatory. They they pre they eat uh I guess everything that would eat your plants. So uh, cicada, you know like like there's some that are cicada killers. Like those are the big ones that you'll see like at nine or ten in the morning, just low to the ground. Like just cut. yeah. They're, but they're like, I would say they're like they're four. For cicadas. They're like the murder hornets looking size. Like they're enormous. Yeah, the ones that live underground mostly. Yeah, but they just they they're looking for cicadas and they. They're about this. They they will take one. I've seen them take them down. Like they just inflate. Oh, shit. Like it just grabs it and just. Man, yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Like I wouldn't be able to differentiate. I don't like walking through grass for those same those those wasps that you see flying through the grass like that. Sometimes it's dragonflies, but you can never really tell. Yeah, I've gone hiking before. I just um, and yeah. It's like I'll be walking through the forest and I'll see a wasp kind of fly by me and then I'm not comfortable in the forest anymore. And I, you know, um, my back will itch. Like if I see one, my back itches for like an hour afterwards. And I'll like check my shirt. I'll like move my shirt around. You'll see me, dude. I mean, they just, they get up in your skull. I mean, spiders, other bugs, they freak me out. But though, dude, wasp, man, one time, one time I was driving and one got in my car while I was driving and that I really thought I was going to like die because I almost got in a wreck because of that, but I was really scared, but I really almost died. I almost hit a semi truck, but honestly I was like still focused on the wasp. I'm glad that glad your priorities were. were I'm like looking back at it. It's just sitting in my back. It like landed on, you know, they always like, if they get in a close space, they just land and they stare at you. And then they seem to have, I know it's a lot of projection on my end because I'm so scared of them, but they seem to have a lot of, I, I agree with what you're saying. They have a lot of terroristic personality to them. They'll like fly up in your airspace. And I guess it's so you go away and don't try to like get yeah. more closer to their hive or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't know. So I, I, when I moved when I moved into my apartment, mm -hmm. I lived here for like a week and a wasp landed on my patio and I filed three complaints and they sprayed down the street across the street, across the thing for me for wasps because I complained that there were too many nests in there. But now I just noticed yesterday they're building a wasp. They're building a nest out of my porch. So I'm going to, I might have to call the maintenance guy to come take care of it. Cause I don't think I can do it myself. Okay. To be honest with you. It depends. It's like built. It's like built on top of something. So I'd have to like, it's like dust. I'd have to like break it out. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I have I a like bit about, fly out about killing hornets on my apartment. Cause I just got like hornet spray and it's like 15 feet. Like you, it's like, like this thing's built <laughs> yeah. for people that are afraid of wasps because it's like, I have to get, I literally, he's like, I literally, the joke is I literally get in my neighbor's balcony and then spray <laughs> yeah. my balcony. Cause I don't want them to, I don't want them to live and to <laughs> yeah. know it was me. I want the. I, want, I do know what you're talking about. Those those cans of that wasp spray, they go like 15 fucking 30 yeah. feet sometimes. Because it's supposed to be for like a, a like a house. Like if you're trying to get the top of your house, instead of getting yeah. on a ladder and getting stung to death by trying to get close to it. My grandpa, this is like this. I think this is maybe a generational thing. Maybe not so much though. 
or maybe it's just I'm not as masculine as my grandfather was allergic to wasps. Mm -hmm. Like they could kill him if he got stung by one or two of them, you know, like he could die. He'd go out there, no cover, no hat, just spray those fucking nests down, walk back in inside the house, all calm. And me, I'm not even allergic to him. I've been stung multiple times. I know I'm not allergic to him. I cover my ears and run like it's like like Godzilla's coming. You know what I mean? Like fucking like I'm really running away like this from yeah. wasp, and I'm checking my shirt and shit. I've asked. I, I'm really ashamed of this, but I've asked women to kill wasps for me before. If you, I've, I've been at work, been at work, and been like, my female manager needs to go take care of that problem. I do not need to do that. <laughs> So where do you know where this came from? That like, did you have some sort of like experience with a wasp as a kid that just kind of traumatized you? Here's my theory: they're really gross and scary and bad, and I'm just having a natural reaction to that. I don't know, man. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you where it comes from. I guess, I guess maybe it's like. Um, Maybe you could say it's something to do with my grandpa, like, mm -hmm. you know, going out there and risking his life. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? And then it's like, maybe I'm, you know, but that's a little Freudian for my taste. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. I think it's just a phobia, man. Some people, they just get scared of certain things yeah. really, really bad. I used to um, have this ex and she was scared of roaches, but not of like the big roaches you see in mm -hmm. Texas of like the little roaches that you see like 20 of at one time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And just like, she was worse than me because a picture of a wasp, I'm not going to lie to you. I think I would have, like, if you put like a, like, if you were measuring my heart rate mm -hmm. and you showed me pictures of wasps, I'm pretty sure you could measure a change in my mood based on being scared of the picture. Mm -hmm. But she like genuinely would have a physical reaction if you even showed her a picture of those. I don't think I'm at that level, you know, where it's non-functioning. But I have to tell you, like, ever since I saw that nest out there, I smoke cigarettes, but I don't smoke cigarettes at home anymore because I just don't want to go out there. I'm, like, scared to go out there. So is it your patio or is it your front door? It's the patio. Okay. So you can go smoke. This is a very nice view. Okay. I will go downstairs and smoke. Or I'll, like, cigarettes, you know. Yeah. They're kind of whatever. I have other stuff I can smoke. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I think for me, it's just the fact that they, they do get so close to you and then they just, they hover and they don't, they don't yeah. just, they don't just go by. It's not like a house fly or something like that. They, they investigate you. They, mm. it's like, are, yes. you, are you a it's like They intimidate you. Yeah. yeah. They try to intimidate you and it works and it works on me. I fall for it. I'm intimidated. Scariest color. Yeah. Red. Okay. Or black. Yellow. Um, yellow, I get I get scared. I feel like if I see a red wasp, there's probably only one of them. Mm -hmm. But anytime I see a yellow wasp, I'm like, oh, there's a wasp nest somewhere around here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I Does just that make like, sense? I like yeah. how you have a, a threat color chart for your wasps. Like it's yellow is not that bad. Red. And I know black. the mud daubers are not won't really come for you mm -hmm. unless you really try to like unless you like step on their house on accident or something but those i did get stung by one of those and that hurts like that hurts for a couple days those mud dauber things the one that are blue they're shiny and blue whatever yeah they like live underground i think they're the ones you talk about that hunt cicadas yeah. but i think mud dauber is like the i grew up in the middle of nowhere word for that okay yeah the one i've never been stung by the big red like 
those are the ones I call cicada hunters. And I mean, they're like, like when you oh, saw a picture of the murder nasty. hornet and stuff, like they are, they yeah. are, they're not, they're not aggressive at all. Like they are like, just, we're looking for food. Don't even, you know, we don't even want you. And they've got a stinger that's, and so they're pretty, but they also have these other ones that are green, like they're neon, like metallic almost. Color. Yeah. And like they, a, like a black color. Yeah. They have, um, they have like um, an extra part of their leg that mm-hmm. sticks up a little bit in the back. Yeah, I don't like how they fly with their legs like hanging either. Like they just kind of like. Just everything about them is gross and wrong, man. I mean, they really are like biologically designed to just make your brain go, ah, no, no, get away. And giant wasps. That's one thing about, I think video games always mess up about wasps is they always make them giant. That's not scary to me. Like a giant wasp is just as scary as any other large monster. What's scary about wasps is they're so insidious and you feel like if you see one now, you feel like it's up in the back of your shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what's is, is how verminy they are. And, uh, but still intimidating. So I think, you know, you never see like, but they always do that with bugs. It's always like giant bugs, you know. But if it's a lot of giant bugs, eight-legged yeah. freaks. Now you have giant bugs, a lot of bugs. That's closer. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of like a movie that's scary about wasps that has multiple. Probably like the swarm and stuff from like before you were born. There was movies about like bee and hornet swarms, whatever, when they had. Because at one point they. I don't know if you know about the killer bees. It was a lab in South America. And the swarm. Yeah. It was. I'm listening. I'm not. So in the late. I'm reading about this movie. So in like in the mid to late seventies, they were, they were, I guess, doing lab tests on insects and stuff and seeing what made them aggressive and stuff. And so they, they kind of cultivated this. They call them Africanized killer bees because they they bred them with another aggressive form of bee and they became these aggressively attacked bees that would just that basically if you got near their hive they just didn't stop. Like you could run for miles and they would still like find you. They would still communicate and you would just be swarmed under and they just they're like ants. Yeah. And what happened somehow by some lab mistake is they were going to release another form of bees out and back into the wild and somebody accidentally released them into the wild instead of the bees they intended to. And so it became this huge, like, just like the murder hornets were, you know, this terrifying thing of. Yeah, everybody was scared of. Yeah. And so they just made movies about this ginormous swarm of bees like you'd be in your car and you couldn't, you know, they would just be like terrorizing your car like they would come into the ac and everything else Uh and it was just it was just a scary it was just it was the fear that these bees would just kill without any kind of remorse or anything and with being so many how do you kill them all yeah i mean i definitely um bees bees swarm scary one bee not scary wasp one wasp super scary multiple wasps i'm out yeah but those are the only i get bug movies that really kind of that would wig you out is it's just like it's a bunch of you just swarmed under by a bunch of tiny bees and you're just stung to death 
I've never understood people who can do the bee beards and stuff like that. That is that is crazy to me. Yeah, they they definitely love that on Ripley's Believe It or Not and stuff like that when I was a kid. That was a like check out this guy that can you know have these bees and it's like I don't even want one. That's gross. That's really gross. It's like a fear factor thing. So how they can't do that on what? So have you thought about like trying to quell this fear? Like if is there any have you like other than mustering just courage yeah i mean basically i just kind of let myself um express it try to you know be honest with myself yeah about how pathetic it is and you know it's okay to be scared but it's not okay to act like a big baby so if i see one i mean i'll freak out Mm -hmm. and you'll hear me telling you that i'm freaking out but i've gotten a little bit better about not like pushing people out of the way so I can get away from the walls. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one <laughs> like, of those things too, where it's like, I also feel like me being anxious is making the bug anxious. And so now it's even more yeah. threatened by me because I'm got, it's just like when you're afraid of dogs, I'm like, if, if you're, if they sense that they don't know what they don't know that, Oh, you're afraid of me. They just, they sense anxiety and they don't, they want to go back to not feeling anxiety. So they will, they will eliminate whatever makes them feel anxious. Um, I I saw this girl and I went over to her place, you know, and her we things are did a really great day. Things are going great, but her cat just kept getting up in my face, like really bad, mm-hmm. and was like kind of like not being friendly. Like I kind of felt like cats will do this; they'll get, they'll act friendly so they can scratch you. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll get close to your face and then they'll come at you real quick. But then she got really mad at me that I didn't like her cat. And she kicked me out. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe I just misread the cat at first, but then it could tell I was nervous. And so then it was like, why is this guy nervous? You know, Let me so just... then it was like trying to investigate me to figure out why I was so nervous, but I'm nervous because the cat won't leave me alone. I think that's just you so know? funny that, that where you're you're thinking about what you did wrong with the cat on this date like where did i go wrong it was explicitly the cat that got me um sent home empty-handed though she's like literally said like my fucking cat seems to hate you that is giving me bad vibes and i was like are you kidding and she's like i'm really sorry but no it's just kind of like a huge turn off my cat is being so weird around you <laughs> it's like all right i'll see you later I'm so sorry that I smell like Buffalo Wild Wings. That's probably why that cat wanted this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I probably smell like wings, yeah. <laughs> like, this guy smells Jeez. delicious and bad vibes. <laughs> Is that medium sauce? <laughs> I just think that's so funny that I've, I've never been I've never been that dejected in any kind of breakup or anything that I've at, like thought about what I what could I have done with this cat to, to have a better outcome. Should I pet him as soon oh. as I walked in? Did I... That I misread the situation is the funniest line. I think I did. I think I. I think at first he was trying to be nice, but he was like, it gave me a weird energy. And then he was like, I kind of like put my hand at, like, hey, get out of here. And then after that, things were rocky between me and the cat. But it was like an hour. We were over there watching TV, and we were like making out, and then we. As the cat got more and more intrusive, we kind of ruined the making out. And then she was like, I guess you should go home. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like crazy, crazy, crazy. 
Well, I thank you for doing this, Colton. Where can people find you on social media? I'm at I'm at my friend Colton, all okay. one word, my friend Colton. And then I have a podcast with Steve Gamble too, Poor Baby, that everybody can listen to. So, what made you come up with my friend Colton for your social media? Which I which it's not a bad like you should do that for all your you know just unify it. Yeah, yeah. I, I changed the Twitter. I I did it on just Instagram at first. Um, to be honest, I just kind of came up with it. I was trying to come up with something else. I, uh, and it just, I was like, Oh, my friend Colton. And you know, it's hard to do Colton Jones is a really common name. Yeah. I feel like people would have trouble. There's like a golfer that's starting to get pretty famous that has my name. Um, so I, I used to have it as Cold Town road, mm-hmm. which is like a send up. Yeah. Old town road. Yeah. But then it wasn't. 2019 anymore so i needed to not have it be that it just so then i was like my friend colton yeah it works i don't know it's easy to remember right yeah that's what i was like saying it's it's definitely memorable but yeah that's that's awesome and good luck on your podcast with steve gamble he's definitely definitely interesting conversations we had there with (laughs) all the perspective and stuff but yeah thanks again for doing this thanks ryan Appreciate it, man. So that was Colton. That was a fun conversation. Colton is an amazing human being. Um, he is working his way up the comedy ranks. He, You can catch him every Monday at the Mad Hatter open mic. He is doing some weekend shows. I think last week he was in Oklahoma City for one. So make sure you check him out at My Friend Colton on all social media. We'll have the links to that in the show notes. Um, Wasps is definitely one of my things too because it just they make me antsy and I think it just makes it worse when I'm radiating fear and nervousness of their buzzing around so their buzzing gets even more like directed at me. And so I totally I totally get where he's coming from. I've been stung multiple times. It doesn't really phase me, but it's just one of those things where I don't want to be stung, so I always jerk and panic when I see them. Make sure you check out Colton at My Friend Colton on social media, as well as myself, Ryan Perio. Next week, I will be headlining the Comedy Arena in McKinney, Texas. Links for that will also be in the show notes, as well as all my social media at Ryan Perio. If you like the show, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars gives us more visibility to other people. If you have friends that you think this would be a fun show for them to listen to, go ahead and recommend it. If you want have suggestions for the show, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com as well as all my social medias at somefearfans. So check check that out on social media. I'll try to do some more posting to that as well as comedy videos and things like that. I have all the recordings from my stand-up special. I have yet to listen to them. I keep starting to and then get distracted and stop at a certain point. So I will try to get to that done also. Again, don't forget, I'll be headlining Comedy Arena and Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. I'm about to do another interview with another podcaster this evening. So that should be an interesting conversation as well. And that'll be down the road. I'm also looking for more guests, but I will be heading out on vacation at the beginning of next week. So this time next week, I will be on the road to Arkansas, where we're going to be staying for three days and having some fun. And so can't wait to do that. Don't forget Comedy Arena this week and 
birthdays to my mom and Mallory. And so that'll be a fun, fun week of comedy and shows and things to do. So make sure you follow me at Ryan Perio for all of that. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast and have a great week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me... On social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. On all social media platforms, you can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.